Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. Join us now for part two of our conversation with conversations from uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where we talked about finales in the Star Wars universe. So can you guys just real quick for listeners of our show that may have missed the first half, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves, where we can find you, all that good fun stuff? Well, we are Conversations, and uh, we are two buddies who, you know, started this little journey a couple of years ago and can't believe the awesomeness that uh, we've experienced in the past two years and 50 plus episodes and meeting great people like you and so many other people, especially in Red 5 Network. Um, the community itself has been one of the best things that we've ever, never even imagined have come out of us starting this little project that our wives literally told us to, hey, why don't you go talk Star Wars over there together, far away from us. (laughs) And, you know, they, uh, you know, so they're very much part of our history and uh, the backbone to what we do, what we do. And we, of course, had them on our show and uh, the Star Wives are typically more popular than we are, like in most parts of our life. And um, yeah, so we hit record based on what we talk about day to day in Star Wars, you know, whether it's text messages, you know, talking over the phone when we're together, it's always the stuff that we imbue in our daily life. And um, that's where our conversation started. And um, that's probably the one of the, I guess, succinct way of talking about where we came from. Pat, what would you say? Yes. Uh, uh, I I think I think at this point it's um it becomes one of those things where in a text thread something comes up and it's like wait we're gonna write that down (laughs) because I want to talk about this but I want to record it (laughs) get an episode several several things get like like glossed over in conversation <laughs> and and we're just like um yeah that's great Shh, don't talk about it and then we write it down to talk <laughs> about it show. like yeah on 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 the mic so uh but yeah that's 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 essentially us we've um you know a uh, l- little more than buddies but that's fine don't worry about it um <laughs> but we've uh yeah we've been we've been friends for a long time and Star Wars fans for even longer. Yeah. And it just kind of the two clicked, and here we are doing our thing. The show itself is available um, where all podcasts or all the major ones were covered. Yeah, and our website is fantastic for all of our other extracurriculars. Oh, yes, that's true. It's, we, <laughs> we, uh, we're just big nerds. So <laughs> all, of our, all of our nerdiness is, is pretty well encapsulated. Yeah. On, on the website. <laughs> awesome. So is this where we go to find uh, all of the Trek information that I keep hearing talk about? Uh, that's been dumped. Uh, yeah, that's been <laughs> yeah. we, did, we did a purge when uh, we decided to become friends. Yes. Uh, and I said, look, if this is ever going to work, you gotta, you gotta knock it off with this Picard yeah. stuff. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about Sulu. None of that. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pat ejected that warp core a long time ago. Exactly. I don't know so, what a warp core is, but <laughs> set your phasers to lame. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I'm getting here is if we ever need a Star Trek guest, we definitely need to go for Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll get right back. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> he has no account. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess it's time to get going back uh, talking about finales. We're going to have the finale finale here on Course on Radio Underground. So let's get going. Um, I know Pat is very, very particular and has a great love for Ahsoka. And like what from that perspective, how do you sense that as a as a as a handoff to the rest of the trilogy or even the saga at that point from her perspective, like an individual character, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not. And, um, you know, part of the tragedy of Ahsoka's arc is that she's absent from the prequels and the OT. Mm. And um, I mean, that would have been fantastic, but you know, obviously you can't, have foreseen those unless you're the emperor um <laughs> you can't foresee those 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 things and those characters that that haven't even been made up yet um to include them in um in those those films but feloni and the writing team had done such a great job of explaining um you know if if they're doing order 66 for example and she's not killed during order 60 well why okay well then maybe she gets expelled from the order and then you know they welcome her back because of course we can't expel her for an actual reason because she's not terrible and um so you know you have to you know invite her back and then have her be like no nah, i'm good with it and leave so then she's no longer a player in that scenario so then she gets unscathed from order 66 so then she's still around to be in rebels so you can still have her in rebels with with no you know like mind-bending explanations for well how she rebels you know mm -hmm. when all the jedi were killed you know and like have people receive it poorly so right. then you can bring her back for that and then to have her in that situation with vader and you know we're not really sure what happens and then to have the whole world between worlds and stuff like that is just mind bending and 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 unique and, and unique to Star Wars, but familiar enough that we can kind of understand, um, you know, what happens. You go in here and you alter that, and it kind of alters the timeline a little bit, and it again saves her. And then um, to be able to effectively bring her into live action like they've done. Mm -hmm. and and you know charles and i talked about this several 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 times with the rumors of ahsoka being in the mandalorian it's like look you know they've got to have a reason for her to bow out because she's at this point way too popular a character <laughs> and people want way too much from her for her to be like hey din i'm gonna help you out and then just not be around anymore <laughs> you know so it's like you have to have a you you know you have to have her still on some sort of mission which would include you know at this point her trying to find thrawn and i told you back then <laughs> that like the perfect scenario would be she and sabine left to go find ezra you did. so they're still on that quest and you know my head cannon for like how they were how din was gonna meet her um 
it's still brilliant. I love what they did, but um, <laughs> but you know, but it did include that element where she still has her mission, so that she is able to bow out of this series mm-hmm. to let it still be the Mandalorian and not the Tegruta, right. because that's what it very easily could have turned into. And I would have loved that story. I will love that story when it, when it airs. When it comes, right. Um, but, you know, it was, it was the brilliance of the writing staff to be able to um, kind of maneuver her story around the rest of the saga. And still have her connect with these characters that we're meeting now with 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 valid explanations for why she's not mm-hmm. in, in this saga film. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest tangent we've gone on all night, but you know, <laughs> it makes is. sense. <laughs> yeah. And and that's really what I want for Ahsoka. I want this show. I she's this character that has, even though she has become a character that is listed when when people rank their favorite characters whether it be in a magazine or just a podcast or anything she's consistently in the top 10 mm. of star wars characters not animated star wars characters but star oh, wars across characters, the board mm-hmm. which is insane and she has had her entire existence almost in the shadows mm-hmm. yes yeah and I, I want i want ahsoka to have her coming out of the shadows moment mm-hmm. like you know, I, make yourself known. Yeah, she's such a big character. She deserves that moment. Yeah, and she's she's absolutely going to get it. I'm sure with with the with the series, but um, yeah, the amount of love that the character gets that Rosario has gotten now, and that actually Eckstein gets is just mm-hmm. it's it's incredibly well deserved, but it's immense as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean Ashley, I oh, love Ashley. She's yeah, she's, she's the favorite. best. <laughs> but yeah, um, but so I mean, it's just it's it's been interesting to see this character that when you fir- when I first encountered her, I was like, oh, we're doing this. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and then and then you know again, it's like okay, so now he's got a babysit. That's cool, I guess. Whatever. Um, but then as she matures and learns and grows, her her story arc is, is tremendous. Yeah. She's she's fantastic. And um <laughs> it's really it's it's again great storytelling that, that kind of weaves around these other stories to navigate her you know, her timeline. Yeah. Okay, so I know most people really hate and somehow <laughs> Palpatine returned and I don't love all of the execution of it, but I do appreciate from a kind of broad picture point of view. It makes sense to me that the, the same person who's been pulling the daggum strings since the very beginning is still being that sneaky little snake and he's still trying to pull the strings. You know, he is so obsessed with power and always has been. So I I thought that it did. I thought it worked. Um, Like I said, I didn't love all the execution, but whenever they announced that Palpatine was coming back, I was super excited. 
because it was like, well, that makes sense. You know, just from a kind of when you see from the very beginning that he's been kind of doing this, it, I thought it tied it together. Now, well, it would have made more sense to call it the Palpatine saga at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Palpatine is like one of the only common threads running through the entire Skywalker saga, which. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, it's. It is a, a thread that does tie them together because otherwise, while the this this finale for the sequel trilogy, it's a fine ending to that trilogy, but it really has nothing at all to do with what came before it. The you know, like we already discussed, Return of the Jedi is such a solid ending to the Skywalker saga, at least to Anakin's saga. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, and it's it's a great launching point for Luke to have. I mean, it, it, it does end Luke's adventure. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just looking at it from the point of the hero's journey, that that book ends Luke's journey as well. Yeah. And I always felt like because you, when they were doing the first movie of the sequels, nobody was saying Skywalker saga. Nobody. Lucasfilm didn't start using that until sometime between that and the Last Jedi. Somewhere in there, they started talking about Skywalker. the next chapter of the Skywalker saga. And it's like, you could have, I think you could have alleviated a lot of issues. This is a new journey, new new hero, new all this stuff. And sure, you can still have old characters along the way as gods. Well, mm. as, as gods along the way. That doesn't mean they can't show up. Right. It just means that I think that they tied a lot of expectations up in it by calling it the Skywalker saga. It's a fascinating and, point. Mm. And there's so much media now that that um, they could have very easily gotten away with a cameo here, a cameo there, and then and then like 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 they did with Ahsoka and Mandalorian, where you're like, oh, here's that character. We'll get more going with her later. Right. You know, you can you can reintroduce these characters, and then when the viewers like, oh, I wonder what they've been up to the last thirty years, or I wonder what they're going to be up to next. Um, you've got the streaming series you've got the books and comic runs and things that you could explore those in other media and still satisfy those storylines not have to bend the story you're telling now around that right you know the like marisha i i also like the rise of skywalker and as you know as we've discovered whether it's last minute or sort of quick decisions on whether it was going to be Palpatine, the main baddie uh, at the end um, still as a arc from the entire nine movies to me was satisfying. I liked the movie. I liked last Jedi. I liked Luke's arc. And when he, you know, he passed into the force was an extremely emotional moment for me. And I I loved it. I still love that the way he did that. And for me, that arc completely worked. Um, But the, when we, when I look at, the rise of Skywalker and Palpatine coming back. I always have in my mind, I think of the aftermath uh, trilogy of the books by Chuck Wendig. And, you know, that was the battle of Jakku and it was after uh, the uh, return of the Jedi and the, where we have some of the heroes that we know now, like um, snap Wexley and Mr. Bones and all these, all these different characters fighting the empire in their last gasp to retain their power. And at that point there was this, mystical contingency plan that the emperor had planned from the get-go 
and loosely explained, you know, like when he fell down the shaft, his the embodiment of the the dark city, Darth Sidious, was transferred, and they were sort of the carriers of this of this dark energy, and it was part of that contingency plan was on Jakku, and so to me it was sort of possible to see Palpatine at the end. However, you know, unrealistic it was when the planning for Force Awakens was, and sort of you can look back and I I actually I, I did it as an exercise. I literally went back and watched the Force Awakens and. Oh, look at the way she's stabbing with her with her uh, lightsaber uh, against uh, Kylo uh, in the forest and Force Awakens. It's just like what uh, Palpatine was doing. So you can sort of build whatever you want into it. But as a finale, I don't think I had as much of a big problem with it as him being the main character at the end. Because um, I sort of harken back to the potential strings that in the finale of the uh, Aftermath series. So I, I keep that in mind as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I really love the movie as a finale for that trilogy. Yeah. I just feel like it's of all of the finales to everything, it's the least connected in some ways to everything else other than Palpatine. I, I feel like he's the one thing that kind of ties it to everything else. But I say that now and 10 years from now, when we have who knows how much other Star Wars material, right. that might not be true anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know that for for what that's worth that but I, I do like the movie and i i actually enjoyed the palpatine stuff i i did i don't know that they necessarily filled in enough in the movie as to yeah. how or why mm-hmm. but the build-up to it was a lot of fun i know a lot of people really hated that they did some kind of viral advertising on like Fortnite and stuff <laughs> but i have to tell you if you were in that when it happened it was pretty amazing i guess the curious thing is where do they go from there? Because the concern is, are these actors even interested in coming back and telling more of their story? I, they don't I think seem to be right now. Daisy Ridley seems to be already slowly warming up. <laughs> there you go. Money. There you go. <laughs> right. It does. I mean, according to Harrison Ford, yeah. you know, why are you doing another one? <laughs> Listen, kid. There's I nothing mean, but... wrong with doing another Star Wars for a little scratch, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, eventually their careers are going to fizzle a little bit, and they're going to get it kind of bored, and all of a sudden, it's going to be like, yeah, people gave me a hard time, but maybe on the... Con- and, and at that point, they'll have the pull to say, I will come back on the condition that, which I think is what Harrison Ford did, on the condition that I get to die, a, you know, a yeah. dramatic death. Right. You know, and and so John Boyega, who clearly was not happy with a lot of the way things kind of shook out, can be like, I'll come back on the condition that I finally get to As long as I get a hold of Saber. <laughs> right. Like a Jedi. Again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but so I, I think... I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting stories. Don, I know people are, you know, real big on the, use the world between worlds to bring Adam Driver's character, you know, to bring uh, Kylo Ren back. And it's like, don't do that. It's actually way more interesting if they're they're a dyad. Like, if his force goes, his his essence is tied to her in life. Mm-hmm. Is that they still coexist in some way as a dyad with him as part of the force mm-hmm. and still making her more powerful right. by that token. And I, I think there's some really cool story and some really cool deep lore force lore stuff they could do there and yeah. i'd love to do it i do feel like if only they would have had anakin's force ghost show up at some point 
I would have been a lot more down with the whole Skywalker saga. Hmm. I absolutely love that Rise of Skywalker. And then like the next day, because we were there, you know, opening night, like is, you know, one of the first showings. And so the next day, the internet is all like, nye, nye, nye. I was so shocked. I was like, I thought it was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. What's wrong with all you people? <laughs> I love the Rise of Skywalker for, for everything it is. It's it's a, in a lot of ways, a hot mess because I felt like they were trying to cram too much. If they yes. could have just let him have an extra 30 minutes, just... You know, I did. I didn't understand the director's cut. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> the need to uh, to restrict it to being similar length to the others. It's yeah. the culmination of of nine movies, really ten if you count Rogue One. Yeah. L- let him have more time. Let him wrap it up. Let him have as much time as he needs to wrap it up. It's a tell a good story. Yeah, and they let the Avengers take like as much time as they need. That's Come true. On. That's very true. <laughs> very true. So though they I mean, you gotta look at it like this, okay? Your bad guy for the sequel trilogy can't be Hawks. Okay. <laughs> this is true. I mean, let's let's just establish that right now. There's no way that's gonna happen. I mean, you start um, off um, pretty cool and pretty domineering, but yes, ended up didn't not so much. Yeah, I mean when you've got when you've got Someone with a redemption arc, like like Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, um, d- he kills Snoke. So then it's what? It's the two of them. Mm. And then you, you know you bring you know General Pride in here for you know a cameo, I guess. He's not. I mean, come on. So <laughs> so if you're gonna redeem Ben Solo, then you're left with Hawks, and that's that's not gonna do it. But when you go back. And you think about the Sith and how they operate, right? They're going to learn everything they can from their master, and then they're going to kill him. Mm. So if a certain Sith were to have a master that knew how to keep people from dying, and then he were to gain that knowledge and then um, learn more, than that knowledge in and find that way to keep others from dying and manipulate that to keep oneself from dying, then it's completely believable that he would come back in the sequels because he learned how to do it before the prequels. Right. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. So yeah. it's it's one of those things where he tells you, you know, back in the early two thousands that look, <laughs> I learned I learned how to keep people alive. So it's not a far stretch to, you know, 20 years later, by the time of the original trilogy, that he knows how to keep himself alive. And let's face it, who's he going to be more focused on himself rather than anybody else? Yeah, obviously. Absolutely. Always. Yeah, always and forever. Mm -hmm. Totally, completely dedicated Mm -hmm. to himself. Self-preservation. Absolutely. So, um... You know, it's not everyone that gripes about how it's Palpatine all along. Here's the Agatha all along. No, it's the Palpatine all along. Um, it's nice like one. You're, not, you're not paying attention to what he's saying literally throughout the entire franchise. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, so now we all definitely need to get Cam to do a, a Palpatine all along. <laughs> Listen, Cam's tied up. He's got other obligations. Yeah, plus he's a clone. 
We just need to cam to couple this. It had to be you. <laughs> he's got several. He's got a, he's, he's got several. It makes way more sense when you think about, you know, what he's actually capable of in the prequels. And then you don't really see that in the original trilogy because you see him for like four minutes. So that's right. like, yeah. All right. Um, but between, you know, again, like, um, like you were saying in Rebels when he's talking with Ezra and just kind of the amount of power he has at that point mm-hmm. and the amount of knowledge he must have from all the Sith, mm-hmm. um, it can it can be assumed that that's that's obviously part of his repertoire that he knows how to save himself because mm-hmm. what's his ultimate goal to save himself. himself? Yeah, and there that discussion is actually fairly frequent in Star Wars about. The Jedi um, are interested in maybe some preservation of their consciousness after death, but the Sith are interested in staying alive. Yes. You know, they're, mm. they 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 can't do the whole you know one with the Force thing. So their their obsession is very being one with the heartbeat. Temporal. Yeah, you know. Um, um, you know, very, very corporeal, very, you know, like they're, they're interested in, in staying in this state mm. uh, or as close to this yeah. state as they can swing. Yes. And, and that's, you know, again, with the, with the Jedi, it's, you know, people will pass, you know, we have to, you have to pass on the knowledge that you've learned to the future to, to keep us going by way of, knowledge and and history and and those sorts of teachings is how you continue is how you um your like your legacy basically right and yeah. mm-hmm. you know and then of course the whole force ghost aspect where you can you can commune with with the those in the living force but it's very much about the ideals passing forward and 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 moving along with with that being a part of life it's a natural part of life it's a progression and the sith are consumed with power and and want to to gain power and retain power for as long as possible Mm -hmm. and if that means keeping yourself alive longer than is naturally possible (laughs) then that's what they'll do (laughs) we can tell by appearance for sure (laughs) You know, the um, resistance, the animated series for resistance, you know, as sort of truncated as a as a story as it had, you know, in the last sort of few episodes of season two really did tie into, you know, Force Awakens slash The Last Jedi and, um, you know, did its fair share of lore building and continuity and saga building. Um but Pat and I were talking about it today where, you know, resistance is probably the, the mirror opposite of the clone wars where you had the clone wars predominantly was a star Wars lore building series with some stuff for the kids and funny little bits and pieces. That's the opposite for resistance. It was for children. Like the, you know, the, I mean, the animation style was cool. Like it had a very um, sort of bright flair to it, but the story itself, a lot of the storylines were, for the young ones and, and, and fun and that kind of, and with a few little 
odes to the Star Wars, uh, sorry, the Skywalker saga. But if for as like, you know, obviously it ended quickly and it was, uh, you know, I think it was um, canceled before it was meant to sort of finish its arc. You still have, and I think this speaks to what Andrew was talking about, you know, in maybe 10 years from now, you you have kids, A, who grew up with the sequel trilogy. And Pat and I have talked about this before. We see four and five-year-old girls walking around Batu uh, in Ray costumes and connecting with these Perfect characters. Ray costumes, but they're yeah. Ray costumes. Like, and, fine, whatever. Yeah, and, you know, and, you know, Pat's own daughter wearing, um, you know, episode nine uh, cosplay and uh, trumping the in-universe Ray uh, in Batu. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that kind of connection to those characters and throw in their resistance, this will be the sequel trilogy or this will be the original trilogy for young people going forward yeah. and what are they going to demand what are they going to be looking for in 10 years from now and do we have a repeat of the prequel trilogy where we all suddenly have this new love for it and understand where the story is going and where it's going to become um you know i hold out hope for that that the future or the young generation of today will drive that content to make some of these quote-unquote plot holes fill in with spackle you know and that kind of bit and and make it more full and make it more believable and, and tie these things together and just hopefully make that the entire saga move forward and i think that they will i think that like you said you know i mean we went to celebration in orlando um and man the number of tiny rays up in there you know, it's like at that point, I was like, you know, say what you will about the sequels. Like, this means something to these kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, this yeah. means something, you know, to these little girls, these, you know, these, these, you know, new, you know, my little, my little boys got it whenever it was like, okay, what costume do we want? He wants to be Poe Dameron, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that in a few years, once kind of the, the sting of people's um, head cannons mm. that they, they really were determined were going to come to fruition and didn't. Once that kind mm. of dissipates, I think that we'll kind of have us a, a kind of the same way that the prequels have kind of gained more love over the years. I think that the sequels will be that way with older fans and some of them will mm. hate it forever. And that's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have fun hating stuff. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so I guess it's time for our one Trek uh, mention of the night. Uh, resistance is futile. <laughs> it is a little bit though. Nice! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> like the only point of forest of resistance, as far as I could ever tell, was to get you a little bit invested in character from Hosni and Prime. <laughs> Right, 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 right. So like right. whenever Hosni and Prime, like you see it blow up, it's like, oh my gosh, that's where he's from, that's where his family is. Yes. And then you hear just a little bit. But that was really the only point of resistance. Well, I, I like that it's opened the door for the uh, Niku series. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Because that's, I'm sure, that's that's sure to be a rousing time. <laughs> I'm super like excited. I mean... I mean, you can have your Book of Boba Fett's and your Mando Season 3's and your Rangers of the Republic, but <laughs> the Nico Project is, that's what it is. 
That's right. Need Jar Jar to show up. Oh, there's a dyad right there. <laughs> there's just something. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Uh, so, now there's The Mandalorian. <laughs> Oh, Which there's wow. no series finale yet, as we know of, at least. No, no, but it could be, that, and that would be, be okay as a finale. The season finale. You just said finales. You didn't say series finales. You said finale. That's true. Yep. Totally open game. Yep. Luke Skywalker <laughs> <laughs> for the win. <laughs> right. Right. Like I'm. I don't know what else you have to say. Uh, um, I, and I absolutely agree with Marisha. I think that the, I love what they've done with the show. I want some more of Mandalore in my life, yep. but otherwise I love what they've done with the Mandalorian and I obviously want more, but I want it to be good. Mm. And I, I want the good characters to be in it yeah so i feel as though if they're unable to deliver that for whatever reason then then they they either need to course correct with the story to have great storytelling or they need to bow out and um and you know start something else because the creative team behind it is absolutely capable of doing other stuff mm. and again you know what what good is continuing a story that has been great mm -hmm. if you can't end it great you know mm -hmm. and i think i think that that's um sort of um where i'm at with with the mandalorian because if the season two finale is all that we get and got, then fine. Mm. I mean, it was a fantastic episode. It was a fantastic run mm -hmm. and, and a great arc to kind of have, have Din Djarin's life fundamentally changed by this child. And then he was kidnapped at the end by some weird space wizard. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's that's the end of that arc and would do for a series finale. Interesting. Never thought of it that way. He was straight up kidnapped. Well, he was tickly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's both of you have made great points. I never would have assumed, like I never would have even thought of that as just suddenly being, oh, by the way, that was the end of the Mandalorian. We're going to see something in the book, book of Boba Fett that's going to continue the story because of the same sort of timelines and potentially have tendrils that go different places. Who knows what they're going to do? Um, and the story of Grogu and uh, Din Djarin are told in a different way in a completely different series that's not titled The Mandalorian. Right. I mean, that's definitely no, what they're planning to do with Marvel. So it'll be interesting to see if they decide to do something similar hmm. with Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if Star Wars could take anything from Marvel, it's the way that they make their films. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And the way that they, wait, have a plan? Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Just say. Yeah. No matter I mean, which... I feel like, and don't get me wrong, I love Charlie Day. 
Don't get me wrong. Okay. Um, but <laughs> wow, where's this going? I feel, I feel like you'll see. We're getting there. I feel like over at Lucasfilm, they got the big whiteboard in the back. Right? <laughs> and Charlie Day's over there trying to pitch this whole thing to somebody. I don't know who, but somebody. And you know, he's pointing to pictures and strings on 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 pins and and all sorts of scribbles and everything. And he's convinced that this is a good story. <laughs> but he looks crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's going on. Was was that the planning process for uh for for the sequel trilogy? Was 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 the whiteboard and the Charlie Day pitch? <laughs> I but think so. One, I think so. Three different ones, clearly. Three different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same. Well, and that's the that's the beauty of what they have going. And so a lot of people disagree with me about this, but I mean, I, I I don't think you can really argue with Dave Filoni being the heir apparent to George Lucas style storytelling. Mm. Like, yeah, he tells George Lucas style stories maybe better than George did in some of his later films. And Dave Filoni is the film technology heir to George Lucas. Yes. He's the one that George Lucas was always about pushing filmmaking and film viewing forward because he was the one that pushed the film, the theaters into putting digital in. Right. Yep. And, and so yeah. I really see Favreau is the heir on that side because he is now the biggest director out there really pushing technology forward in filmmaking. And has really oh. become one of the best filmmakers in Hollywood right mm. now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and his team with Favreau is just mm -hmm. is, is insane. And I think that, you know, everyone who's who's calling for him to, you know, be the 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 president of Lucasfilm or whatever nonsense is going around is missing the point. Yeah. Um because you you know you shift into a role like that and you have a whole different set of responsibilities mm -hmm. and you're no longer rolling up your sleeves and getting in there and yeah. exploring these storylines and and these techniques and you know these sort of nuances you know either you know in the computer or in the mm -hmm. cg or on set with the actors and all you're you're not you know, hands on with all of that. Right, right. When you're sitting behind a desk in, uh, you know, Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. Right. No, I want John Favreau making movies for a mm -hmm. lot of years to come. And I want Dave Filoni being the ideas man. Like, yes. I feel like whatever system they had going for the Mandalorian is gold. Yes. Yeah. And if yeah. they just stick with that, I think that's a really, you know, I mean, and and Kathleen Kennedy seems to be very competent. In it, you know, it at the business side of making movies, she's the, one of the most successful producers ever. Um, so I'm just as happy to see her continue doing what she's doing as long as Filoni and Favreau can keep doing what they're doing, yeah, and work independently of that sort of system and make the story right. good. But that finale does make it, and it's an excellent finale, could it's a great season finale, could be a great series finale. I always saw The Mandalorian as telling two stories as. 
Filoni likes to tell stories like George did, where you've kind of got this personal story going against a big backdrop of all oh, this uh, big stuff is happening, but we're focusing on this little part in the storm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we had. And what, what we started off with was this story of this, this man and this kid who are from these groups of people who've been utterly wiped out. Yeah. Right. They've right. got to help each other along the way. And this show is really the backdrop is the future of the Jedi and the future of the Mandalorians. And I feel like they, they set us off on a different path with half of that so that they can now go focus on the future of Mandalore. It's fulfilling for sure, because you, you've, I mean, out of all of the ways to end the, that story arc okay that that season really you've got oh well some jedi has to come get him i mean who's it gonna be no for it to be luke is like the ultimate Mm -hmm. okay and then um you know then that being said you know how many people lost their minds watching that x-wing pull into the hangar oh yeah. yeah and then seeing that green blade and then and then he, you know, he pulls down the hood and you're like, yep. Yeah. So, you know, to go through that whole, that whole scene with the, the, the amount of emotional weight and, and, um, and really excitement that it gives the viewer, how do you top that with the next season finale or with the next season in general? Right, and with arguably one of the most popular characters ever created in Star Wars with Grogu, now apparently out of the story, unless you're fast-forwarding it five years and he's back again and he speaks and he's got his little mini lightsaber or something. Who knows, you know? But I mean, it's it that's a yeah. big that's a big concern when that happens. Like, well, what's going to happen to Grogu next season? And that was huge, and still is huge. Yeah, he's going to lift rocks and stuff. And go into a cave, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Lift X- X-Wings. The great thing about Maybe. the character of Grogu is we know they're long-lived. Mm. We can jump ahead 300 years and tell his story. This is true. You this know? is very <laughs> yeah, true. <we're> good. <laughs> He's just starting to get a nice uh, full head of hair at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does a middle-aged whatever he is look like? We've never seen one of those. We've only seen the old one and the baby one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he might have a perm. I don't know. <laughs> he's going through the he's going through the eighties revival. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I might have a little Rod Stewart do going. Who knows? Never can tell. That there's there's huge potential in the future of Star Wars in general. High Republic. Old Republic and canonize some of that. And then, of course, you've got the post-sequel era where you've got these periods of time that you could tell stories just that, that, that could be as captivating as the original trilogy where we didn't know any of these characters walking in. I mean, the sandbox is enormous. True, yeah, absolutely. true, yeah. And like you said, Andrew, you know, with Grogu as the three or 400-year future, you got that built in already because we see Yoda in the High Republic. Um, the potential for there for that story is still in there. And that bracket now has moved way forward and gives a potential for those stories in the future. I like the idea of teen Grogu. <laughs> like, you know? like teenage Groot. I was just going to say. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
he's in his room <laughs> playing hollow games and like doesn't have time for like like Dink comes in he's like it's time to eat your dinner and he's like Dad, I'm not done playing my game or whatever. He's like at the Dajaric table. Not, not done playing my game, am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. drops a dank ferric and Din's like, whoa, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it, young man. And he's like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> what a ridiculous concept. But I love it. Um, <laughs> do we want to talk about Rogue One? I mean, again, it's it's the theme of of selflessness and them, you know, doing what they can for the common good. And then it's about the bad guys, like, taking all the credit and stabbing each other in the back. Yeah. And if that last act as a finale, then you're looking at that as passing the baton forward, obviously, for sure, for for A New Hope, right? right? And then you've got literally that transfer from... Stop watching Rogue One, boom, you start watching A New Hope, and it's, like, seamless. Yeah, and you've got the absolute destruction of all of your main characters. Mm-hmm. So it's very sad because you're like, man, I just met these people. I started to like them, and now they're burnt to a crisp. So that sucks. Yeah. But then immediately after that, you've got the transfer of the data plants mm-hmm. to Leia. Who's like the embodiment of hope. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't forget necessarily, but your mind is taken away from all this death and destruction that's just taken place to it's going to be okay for the rest of the galaxy because these plans are now, and I know where these, where these plans are now and that they're on the right track to, to save the galaxy. I was so shocked that they killed everybody. I was like, oh, <gasps> In a Star Wars movie, they all die, but it was, it it does, again, like we were talking about the prequels, they give that weight to who Vader is, it gives a real weight to, like, like yes, the people that we are most attached to in the original trilogy make it through, but it gives a lot more weight to, like, the price of war, and it's not just the people that you're attached to don't always make it. Mm. And I think it makes it a much more realistic world Um, because the only people that we really see die in the original series, like we know that our characters are attached to them. Like we see Biggs Darklighter, but we're not particularly invested in them. Right. It's an investment. That's so key. So key. Mm -hmm. And how quickly they managed to get you to invest in those characters within such a short span of time. And it's like, hey, two being one of the first victims, like, wait a second. Whoa. And then it just mm-hmm. keeps going and going. And like that sacrifice just keeps like the, the emotional punching bag just keeps getting more and more. And then you, and then once that, that transfer happens, all that weight is being transferred to that one disc. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then you start watching a new hope. And again, more weight and more investment in that original trilogy story just gets piled on to that point. It's like, it's, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Uh, and of course, we get that moment where we finally get to see Vader go full comic book or full horror villain. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, he's the boogeyman. I mean, he's the guy that's terrified a whole an entire galaxy, and yep. we finally get to see why. All right, guys, thank you for joining us for this episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. We really hope you enjoyed it, and thank you guys for joining us. And we just wanted to 
let you give one more reminder to everyone of where they can find you online and where they can find your podcast. In the first half of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Part one is on our uh, on our feed of Conversations uh, podcast. You can find us on our conversations.com. On the website, we are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash conversations. We're on the same at Instagram. And on Twitter, you can find us at Suations. And our podcast is available on basically all the platforms so we're shouldn't be too hard to find if you're looking for us and we appreciate a few <laughs> awesome all right guys well thank you again this has been a been a great time and you can find us at crew underscore podcast on twitter you can find us at the science or drop us a line at coruscant radio underground at gmail.com you can also find us as well as the rest of the red five podcast family at red five network on twitter and at red five network.com and until next time May the force be with you.